We try to use every piece of technology we can find that will help one, help the officers do their job better and safer. We utilize those technologies in the crime center daily. Greetings and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Tony Bailey and I'm the Director of Education and Training for the Association. Today's podcast is sponsored by Thermo Fisher Scientific Rapid DNA. Rapid DNA, because every minute counts. In 2017, a brutal quadruple homicide rocked Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Law enforcement officials turned to Applied Biosystems Rapid Hit ID System from Thermo Fisher Scientific to identify the victims and bring closure to the families. Bucks County continues to use this technology on a daily basis to catch criminals, exonerate the innocent, and keep the community safe. Thank you, Thermo Fisher Scientific Rapid DNA, for your support. Our topic for today's episode is intelligence-led policing with crime centers. Today, we will be featuring the Chief of Police and Director of Public Safety, Mr. Bill Partridge from the city of Oxford, Alabama. Bill Partridge has served the citizens of Oxford since 1989. Prior to becoming the Chief of Police and Director of Public Safety, Bill served as the Operations Captain for the department, supervising the Uniform Division and Special Operations. He has held every rank in the Police Department with the exception of Assistant Chief. He is an instructor in police media relations, officer-involved shooting investigations, and law enforcement technology and special event planning, to mention a few. Chief Partridge serves on numerous boards in the field of law enforcement and public safety to include Alabama Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission as vice chairman. He is a past two-term president of the Alabama Association of Chiefs of Police and is a board chairman for the Center for Best Practices in Law Enforcement at Jacksonville State University and chairman of the Alabama Association of Chiefs of Police Legislative Committee. Chief Partridge holds a graduate certificate in criminal justice from the University of Virginia and has attended the University of North Florida's Institute of Police Technology and Management. He is also a graduate of the 225th session of the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. He is a certified law enforcement executive by the Alabama Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission and a certified chief of police. And now it's my pleasure to introduce my friend, Chief Bill Partridge. Welcome, Bill. It's great to have you joining us on today's podcast. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. Chief, to say that law enforcement has changed over the past few years would be an understatement. The same could be said for our criminals and the way we combat crime as well. How is the use of technology and intelligence enhancing law enforcement to be more effective in fighting crime and creating safer communities? Well, Tony, we started looking at doing things differently around 2014, 2015 timeframe. And we wanted to figure out a way that, you know, based on that timeframe and that year, most of your law enforcement agencies were silos. You know, you had intelligence at this police department, you had intelligence at this police department, at this sheriff's department, but we weren't sharing information on a regular basis, especially day-to-day operation intelligence. And uh, one of the things that we looked at was trying to bring all of those individuals from these different agencies into one location and share this daily intelligence so we could either solve crime faster and hopefully prevent crime. So we started traveling the country in 2015 looking at different crime centers. 
Uh, we traveled from the East Coast to the West Coast to the South. And uh, we took things that we learned in each of these crime centers away. And one of the first questions I would always ask is, if you had it to do over again, what would you do different and what would you do better? And we tried to take the best of all of them and combine them into one location here in East Central Alabama. And uh, right now, we have been open since May of 2019. And since May 2019, even through the pandemic to now, we have over 32 local, regional, county, state, and federal law enforcement agencies involved inside this crime center. And we share information on a daily basis. And from May of 2019 to now, we have seen here locally double-digit crime reductions. Uh, One of the big things that we focused on to begin with was gun crimes, violent gun crimes. We had areas in our region who were had serious problems with gun crimes, and we started trying to figure out a way, working with the United States Northern District Attorney's Office here in Alabama. Uh, We worked with them, with uh, state prosecutors and local prosecutors, and we came up with the idea that we were going to go after these individuals hard and heavy through federal crimes in the federal courts to try to pluck these individuals out of society and send them away. And that's really, Tony, the only way that you're going to reduce violent crime in a region or an area or a city is to actually take those individuals out of the population and put them away in prison so they're not continuing to commit those crimes. And we focused hard and heavy on that from May 2019 to present. And we have really taken away some of the really bad actors in our region of the state and some other areas of the state that's asked for help in getting these people gone and getting them out of society. And because of that, we have seen a uh, serious decrease in violent crime in our region. The use of the crime center, of course, we try to use every piece of technology we can find that will help, one, help the officers do their job better and safer. We utilize those technologies in the crime center daily. Uh, Just to give you an example, uh, about a year and a half ago, we had an elderly woman who was kidnapped in a local jurisdiction. Uh, They called for assistance, and we were able to utilize the people inside our crime center and the technology that we use in order to uh, locate her and find her safe within an hour and a half. And she was bound in duct tape in a closet. And we were able to track her down and retrieve her and get her to the hospital. And now she is doing much better. Um, We were able to help with that. There was no doubt in my mind, this individual who was a serial kidnapper and rapist would have killed her had we not found her in the time frame that we did. And that's just some of the things that we do in utilizing technology to uh, help our community and help our region and our regional partners. That's an incredible uh, story and save there. I know uh, local communities and especially the family of of that that lady has got to be grateful that you have that technology available and that you were able to utilize it to uh, bring forth a happy ending like that. Yes, sir. And and Tony, we have people from all across the country come visit our crime center here in East Alabama. Uh, They come to check out what we're doing and how we're doing it. Uh, For instance, Huntsville Police Department in North Alabama, former Chief Murray, he came down several years ago before he retired and he wanted to duplicate the process in Huntsville and they've done so and they're being very successful in duplicating our crime center up in Huntsville and they're solving a lot of crimes. And the one thing that really makes me happy is that we're sharing 
sharing information because, as you know, criminals don't know jurisdictional boundaries. And when you have major interstates running through your jurisdiction and major U.S. highways, you're going to have individuals from all other jurisdictions coming through committing those crimes. And uh, that's one of the good things about having that regional partnership that we can reach out to other agencies that are inside the center itself and be able to collect that intel and solve those crimes. That's just a few of the things that we've been able to accomplish. Very good, very good. I know that you've you've partnered with a few uh, few agencies that I, I'm familiar with and worked with in solving some some national crimes, which have been pretty high profile national crimes, which have been uh, extremely uh, beneficial and things like that. So when we talk about intelligence led policing and all that without getting into all your trade secrets and things like that, what are some of the things that your guys, your team and some of the, I guess, the multi-agencies that outfit your facility, what are some of the things that we look for that other people can take from this that would uh, help them to uh, streamline some of their investigations as well? Well, of course, we know we utilize LPR systems. Uh, We use different types of LPR platforms. Uh, We use camera networks. We have got in with our banking and financial institutions, our schools, our pharmacies to be able to pipe in live video feeds from those locations in case something happens. We don't monitor those cameras on a daily basis, but we have the ability to pull them up at a moment's notice to be able to view those live camera feeds. So, for instance, if you had a bank alarm go off at one of our local financial institutions, we would be able to pull in their live video feed the minute that alarm comes in and those individuals in the crime center are able to communicate to those officers who are responding to that financial institution exactly what's going on, whether it's an actual holdup and if so, what is the description, what's their direction to travel, what are they wearing, you know, all of that can be comprised live immediately and relayed out to those officers responding to that location, which is huge for officer safety. They're not going into an alarm call blind and knowing that there's a bank robbery and they don't know who they're looking for or what they're looking for. So those are some of the things that we do. We pop into other jurisdictions, camera networks that are members of the crime center, and they're able to do the same thing. And and one of the big things is, is, you know, we have a lot of smaller agencies in Alabama and 90% of the law enforcement agencies in Alabama are 10 members and less in the department. So we have a lot of smaller departments that are very small that are members of the crime center. And what one of the things that we are able to provide them is if they assign someone there, whether it's one day a week or five days a week, if something happens in their jurisdiction, such as a homicide or an armed robbery or a rape or a murder, the minute they find out about this, everybody inside that center turns and helps that local jurisdiction compile Uh, background information and intelligence to help them solve that case. So it's a force multiplier for those smaller agencies to be a part of the crime center. So that's just a few of the things. And we use a lot of technology. We use a lot of software technology. If you're a member of the crime center, you probably have access to around $600,000 worth of software and digital forensics that are able to assist your agency in your investigations. And we also have a full service cyber crimes lab for phones and computers and tablets and, and that type of downloads. So we provide a large quantity of technology to these agencies. And anyone that's listening that wants to come take a visit and see what we're doing and how we're doing it, then that invitation stands. Uh, Like I said, we have people from all over the country coming and visiting to see how we're doing this. 
Having had the pleasure of touring your facility, I would tell our listeners that it's it's worth the trip. If, if you're considering developing a crime center, a real-time crime center, absolutely you would want to come visit Oxford, Alabama and see what you guys are doing from that standpoint. What type of things are y'all doing with uh, social media? That seems to be the biggest platform for a lot of criminals now, either putting things out before they commit crimes or after they commit crimes, sometimes even during that. What type of uh, resources are y'all utilizing with that different type of platform? Well, we do have trained individuals there in the center who do social media scrubbing. For instance, if we here locally have something that's going on, like we have like our Freedom Festival every July 4th, where you have 35 to 40,000 individuals who will be there for the fireworks show that come out on site. Uh, one of the things that we do about a month out is they start scrubbing social media to determine if there's anybody planning on coming to do type of protests or, or anything of that nature that may interfere or disrupt that function. And we're able to do that for our partnering agencies. Also, if they have something that's happening, if they're planning, a, if someone's planning a protest in a jurisdiction, that we're able to scrub social media and give them information that we're able to obtain open source intelligence to provide them, you know, news of what's going on in that that event itself and pass that along to them so they have that intelligence at hand so they can make better decisions on how they want to handle it. Very good. Very good. So it's it sounds like y'all have got a lot of different technology that's helping you gather intelligence and make sound arrest and prevent crime and solve crime. That can't be cheap. That's got to be a pretty in- expensive endeavor and all that. What advice or tips could you give to some of our listeners that may be able to help them, you know, be creative in funding some of these types or, you know, maybe even not to that scale what advice could you give our listeners that maybe they could start small and create something uh, effective? Absolutely. Uh, One of the things that we first did was we wanted to make sure that what we were planning on doing was actually going to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. And we started out small. Uh, We started out in about midway through 2017, just building out a small camera and LPR network in our retail sections of our city where we were having a lot of B&E autos and shopliftings and so forth. And we wanted to find out if this was actually going to help us decrease those crimes. And so we started out very small. We went to the city council and asked them for the funding to be able to do this. And we were granted that funding. And we started to build out our network in these areas to see that if it was going to work about a year into it, we realized that we were having serious reductions in those types of crimes. So we started to expand from there. And one of the things that we were looking for was funding sources. And we were able to speak with the mayor and city council and giving us a percentage of the lodging tax to help pay for the center. And we have a lot of hotels here because we have we have a lot of tourism industry here with our sports and softballs and baseball complexes and parks. They were in agreements with that. What funds the crime center now is a, a lodging tax that is uh, levied here locally. And that money goes directly into providing the technology funding and the funding for day-to-day operations of the crime center. We just try to figure out your funding source, first of all, whether it be federal grants, state grants. We have been able to obtain some federal funding through the Senate. We've went all routes, but I think that if you can establish 
establish that funding stream through something such as the lodging tax or alcohol taxes or what I call sin taxes that help pay for this, uh, you'll find that it's much easier. Very good. Got to be a little creative. Yes, sir, you do. Well, Chief, that's a... That's a lot of information and excellent success story and saving the uh, abducted lady. That's pretty touching and kind of speaks for itself in the benefit of using this type of technology. Is there any um, any last minute thoughts and utilizing intelligence led policing and uh, crime centers? I think, Tony, that this is the future of our profession. I work uh, smarter, not harder, as I say. Like I said, these these criminals don't know jurisdictional boundaries. So the more that we can help each other and network with our law enforcement partners and uh, build these centers out across our country, that is definitely the future. I believe a decade from now, they will be very prevalent all over our country. They're already starting to be, but I think it's just going to grow from here. And as technology evolves, it's going to make our jobs a whole lot easier in catching bad guys. If you're interested in in doing anything like this, please contact my office or contact the crime center and we'd be more than happy to set you up with a tour and let you see what we're doing and how we're doing it. Very good. Very good, Chief. Thank you so much for your time and sharing this valuable insight with us, Chief. I appreciate the invitation, Tony, and I'm proud and congratulations on your new role there at the National Academy. One of my favorite places to go. The networking there is is tremendous, and uh, we just graduated uh, one of our lieutenants in the 285 here recently, and so he's back at work, and we're just uh, proud to be a part of the N.A. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations to him graduating. It is definitely a network like no others. Yes, it is. Well, this concludes uh, this episode of our APB. Thanks again to our sponsor, Thermo Fisher Scientific Rapid DNA. Rapid DNA, because every minute counts. Please join us again next month for another edition of our APB podcast series. Until then, stay safe and be well. <laughs>